CME, where we interview industry thought leaders in governance, risk, and compliance on hot topics, industry-specific challenges, trends, and more to learn about their methods, solutions, and outlook in the space. Hello, everyone, and welcome back for season five of the GRC and Me podcast. This season, we're kicking things off with an in-depth conversation between Logicade CEO Matt Kunkel and Chris Pattison, commonly referred to as CPAT and also known as the Risk Wrangler. Now, CPAT has over 25 years of experience in the GRC space. And on today's episode, Matt and CPAT cover a variety of topics, including the importance of practicing business continuity fire drills, the uptick that we're seeing in ransomware attacks, and how the concept of agility resonates all the way up at the board level. And now, here's the conversation between Matt and CPAT. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of GRC and Me. I am one of your hosts, Matt Kunkel, CEO and co-founder at Logicate, and I have the pleasure today to be joined by Chris Patterson, affectionately known as CPAT, or as his friends call him, the Risk Wrangler. Chris, can you give us just a quick introduction of yourself? Sure, absolutely. Super excited to be here on GRC and Me, talking with the community about these issues. But you know, my background goes back to GRC in 2007, 2008, I think right about the time we started calling it GRC. Today, we're going to be talking a little bit about resiliency and agility, but excited to have you on for future episodes. So why don't we start there? Why don't we start with resiliency? So why is resiliency important to any organization's risk management program? Yeah, you know, this term started popping up, I think more so in the past, really in the past year, but the first time I heard it was uh, three or four years ago, I was actually working with some of the Dell folks and they were talking about the resiliency products. And I said, well, how is that different than business continuity and disaster planning and those types of things, disaster recovery, business continuity? And they really kind of got into it and they said, think about what's happening with things like NotPetya. And I, and I actually, unfortunately, went through a NotPetya attack. But the difference is, you know, BCDR was typically if I lost my server farm due to a fire or some type of outage, or I've, I've actually dealt with floods in the past, you know, how do we reconstitute operations at another location? Is that hot spares, cold spares? It was very IT focused. And what not Petya, and even more so, has been highlighted by the more recent ransomware attacks where the nation states are often behind them is that you could be completely dark, right? Your op could be all the way down. We'll talk about that, I'm sure, a little bit later in the program. But if that's the case, resiliency is can your organization continue to operate or how quickly can you reconstitute things? And that's a broader scope, right? You're going to have to understand the business processes, third parties. There's so much to unpack and understand there, but it's different from business continuity and disaster recovery planning because it really does cross the different sectors of the business. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And that was a great kind of overview of resiliency within an organization. Can you give me a quick definition from your perspective of agility and kind of why agility is important to an organization's risk management program and maybe a little bit about how agility relates to resiliency? Yeah, absolutely. So that's kind of the second half of the equation as you, as you start to examine the resiliency and how well can my organization survive the impact of a bad event, the agility is how quickly to recover. And again, you know, that goes back to old BCDR, business continuity, disaster recovery days. What are my times to recovery? What are my recovery points? What does that look like? So 
the agility to reconstitute not just your IT systems, it could be operations. It's that broader picture. And then what state is it going to be in? Is there a minimum operational state to get to, right? The idea of a point of recovery to get to. And then what is the continued work beyond that to kind of get to full operational activity? I, you know, I know that uh, not Petya for us at FedEx and Mueller Maersk, if you think about all the systems being down, customs couldn't clear, right? So we were literally sitting on it. Now we're incurring fines and customers were incurring fines. So you don't have a customs clearance system. You can't move goods. So was that the first platform we needed to recover? Maybe, maybe not. But understanding that and what comes online is you're going to, again, you're going to be just like everything you deal with in business. You're going to be resource constrained to a certain extent. You might be able to get some contractors and folks in to help you, but there's only so much that can be done at any given point. What's that plan look like? How quickly can we get there? Because at that point, your organization is, is literally bleeding money. Yeah, totally agree with you. I want to switch gears a little bit. You recently had a very interesting post titled The First Hour in a Boardroom. And it really highlighted how each department within an organization is really important to a business continuity and overall business continuity program. Can you share a little bit about kind of an example that you have with our listeners? Yeah. So I did that because I was talking with a lot of folks and I don't, if you haven't been through something like a not Petya attack, that was kind of my fictional version of what happened really over a period of a couple of weeks to us at FedEx. It was also taken quite a bit from, there's a great story that they go into a lot of detail on Wired. It's called the untold story of not Petya. And, and the Mueller Mayor's team was very open about kind of the things they had to deal with. So I urge everybody to, to kind of look and go review that. But the first hour in the boardroom shows, right, hey, payroll's down. We can't pay our people. There are operational issues now that we can't bring these systems up on the plant floor. So it was a fictional story to kind of highlight the importance that business continuity and disaster recovery is part of that resilience plan, but it's by no means the only thing. So it was a good way to kind of tell a semi-fictional story tied into an example of, hey, this is just a drill, no need to worry. But I can assure you that the discussions in that article actually tied to real things that happened and, you know, the stories that are out there related to not Petcha, you can you can go follow up on now. And I, and I really do. If you don't know, want to know how bad it can get, the untold story of not Petcha and Wired is, goes into a lot of great detail on this. Yeah. So as it relates, Matt, to, you know, we're talking about making sure we have these plans. It's the execution and testing of them as well. If you think about it, the board has us running around doing fire drills. We're all on campuses. We pay lots of money, make sure those plans work. We know where everybody assembles. You know, we don't do that in a lot of cases in our resiliency plans. We need to be testing, running these tabletops, making sure that even if we've designed these very good plans, that they can actually be executed and do the walkthroughs. So that's the other way I was trying to bring some awareness doing first hour in the boardroom is in the end, if you read the end of the article, it's the tabletop, not a real event. So that's very important that we actually also test these plans. Hell, we do it for fire drills. It's higher odds that you're going to get hit by a ransomware attack or a nation state versus your building burning down. But we need that same rigor kind of in our practices and performance there. Yeah. It's on my playlist right now. So let's go back to this concept of agility and how did, from your perspective, how does agility really resonate at the board level within organization? We know it's definitely a trend out there, but how does it manifest itself in executive and board level conversations that you've been a part in in your days at FedEx? Yeah. So as it relates to the, you know, working with the board and the trends there, really the biggest trend is in Europe where they're actually starting to work on 
legislation and regulation around some of the resiliency and agility challenges that are out there. And some of that ties back to ransomware attacks and especially critical infrastructure. If we start to look at that, it's, it's, they're probably the best at it. Everybody can do a little bit better, but that's where it really is starting. And then it just depends on your boards. I think some boards have seen this. They've seen some of the more kind of damaging attacks to organizations where maybe even some of them have gone, the smaller ones, there are a few that have actually gone bankrupt due to ransomware attacks. But this is one of those areas, you and I talked a lot about risk quantification, how key that is. If your board's not understanding, if you walk through and build some good simulations to show this is the total impact, this is what it can look like, this is how much is at stake for us, this is one of those great places that, you know, as leaders within an organization, if you're not getting the attention of your board just by walking through it, kind of, hey, this is what we think is going to happen or what the impact is, really showing them a good set of risk quantified models using Monte Carlo simulations, loss exceedance curves, so you can see the impacts. That can actually raise the level of conversation, you know, as your CISOs and especially if the CISO and the COO can get together and really make the rest of the board aware of, of what the potential total impact is if you lost operations. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. I mean, I think risk quant is a huge, going to be a huge driver of this in weeks, months, and years to come for sure. And it's, you know, at the board level, it's all monetary, right? At the end of the day, it's like, what are the dollars and cents here? And how am I mitigating the risk? And what is the impact of that overall risk financially to our organization, right? And if you can put it in those terms, the decisions in the decision tree and path become so much more clear at the board level of, okay, we need to take action here, or maybe we're not going to take action here. You're exactly right, is that that also brings up the ability to run those different scenarios, right? This is without certain controls and protections in place. Oh. You know, here's what it looks like with this mix, you know, mix A, here's what mix B looks like. Same way in information security, we look at defense in depth. You know, how do you take that across the broader organization? And, and you know, it's it's recovery in depth, I guess you could call it. But how do how do I reconstitute the operations? What's that going to take? What are the costs to do that? Yeah, for sure. I got one last question for you, Chris, and then I'll let you go. With just so many ransomware attacks out there these days, most recently with Log4j, I think resiliency and agility are more important than ever. I think what can organizations do to be a little more resilient and a little more agile this year within their programs? Yeah, I think a lot of organizations have started to tune up their vulnerability management programs, but if we look at risk management, we know the key to one side of that equation, right? You need to know the assets that are at risk. And I can almost wager, and, and in my discussions with various CISOs and business leaders across the industry, if you ask them, hey, how good is your CMDB data? And almost every case will say it needs work, it's broken. So unless you, I can almost bet, unless you have an active GRC program where they are working to address those inconsistencies, your CMDB is wrong, right? So right out of the gate, if you're trying to figure out what's impacted and what's happening in my organization due to the impact of something like Log4j, you're already behind the eight ball. So setting up that program to get that address with your GRC platform is key. And then a lot of cases, because that CMDB is wrong, you need to audit and hold them accountable. And so the best way to do that, there are tools out there that can do scanning of assets and help you build that inventory in your GRC program so that the risk managers have the true view of what assets are out there in the organization, they can hold those teams accountable. Hey, you need to update the owner of this system. That person's no longer with the company. What is this IP address that's sitting you know, under a desk somewhere at somebody's house and, and looks like it's running 
heavy transaction loads and key processes, what cloud instances you know, are out there that we don't have addressed in our CMDB. So building good audit program and independent audit program is very important and generally the first step in any of these things. Because if you don't know your assets, you don't know what you have to, if you don't know your assets, you don't know what you have to recover. And uh, that's really where you start for any good risk management program. And especially vulnerability management programs, you're walking through attempting to patch and correct these things. And then of course, your exceptions. You know, As soon as you go for, set, tell somebody, hey, you've got to patch this, they're liable to come back and say, look, that is so tightly integrated as a part of that process. We want to take our time. So you're, you're playing a little bit of a, a beat the clock there, but you need to know where those exceptions are, manage through that and continue to deal with that over time as well. That I saw that happen. Um, you know, in some cases when WannaCry came out that it was using uh, SMB v1, which was kind of a, a core Windows component on the older versions of the platform. And there was code out there that was written directly to that. You can't just rip and replace and, and upgrade your Windows and everything's happy. You had to get some people to go in and say, if we can't directly connect to this service anymore, what's the new one? How do we deal with that? So it really is understanding, you know, how the pieces and parts of your company are tied together and running your organization so you can go do this type of analysis for resiliency purposes. Yeah. Great insights, Chris. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing a little bit about resiliency and agility and for educating our GRC listeners and the GRC community abroad. So I really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll have you on again. So for GRC and me, my name is Matt Kunkel and remember to risk with confidence. Thanks. Appreciate it, Matt. What a great conversation that was between Matt and CPAT and how resiliency and agility really play key roles in a holistic GRC program. So speaking of holistic programs, Logigate has just released a new ebook and it's titled How to Make Your Life Exponentially Easier with a Holistic GRC Program. So you can download it now at Logigate.com. And if reading a PDF just isn't your thing these days, you can stream an audio version instead. And it's linked in the show notes. So until next time, this is Megan Fee, GRC and me.